Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. Starting our new series in Galatians. So if you guys can flip to Galatians 1. We're going to talk about the word sufficient this morning. When, when I say sufficient, what pops into your head? What's a synonym for that word? Enough. Enough. Absolutely. That's the one that pops into my head. Anything else? What's that? I couldn't hear. Satisfied. Satisfied. Thank you. Satisfied, enough, acceptable, adequate. There's an interesting thing happening here in Galatians 1. Paul, we all know who Paul is, right? Okay. So Paul is dealing with something. And what he's dealing with is we studied in Acts that he would go through. And what they would do in Acts, they would go about and they'd go into the different uh, towns and cities and what they would do is go in and preach to the synagogues and then they talk to the Gentiles and sometimes it went great, sometimes it didn't. But one of the cool things that would happen is as they would do this, you know, people would come to know Christ and then Paul would then go off into the next place and then the next place. And as this was happening, you think everybody was happy about the gospel going forth? No. Who wouldn't have been happy? Pharisees. Yes, the Pharisees, that's one, okay? I'm thinking maybe a little bit bigger deal. Anybody? Yeah, then Satan, the devil, kind of, I mean, you know, if God, God's pushing forward his agenda, he's saving the world, I could see how that, that could be a bit of a problem. So then you have this spiritual warfare that takes place where all this stuff is going down, and you, you have this group called the Judaizers. Say Judaizers. Yeah, the Judaizers. Okay, so check this out. So as Paul would go in, uh, he would be in an area with Barnabas or with Timothy or with Titus or any of the guys. They would go in, they would preach, and then after living with them for a time, we know sometimes it was short, sometimes it was longer, they would leave. And then this group came from Jerusalem, and they started a tour where they would go in, and they said, Paul is making this too easy. We believe in Jesus, but guess what? You have to live like the Jews too. You have to follow the law that the Jews follow because that's what God said. And you should have to do that too. It makes no difference that you, in fact, are not Jewish. It doesn't make a difference that you're a Gentile and God didn't or, you know, articulate that to you. So you had this tension, this, this back and forth that would happen. So what they were trying to do is they were trying to add something to the gospel message. That it wasn't enough to be just Jesus paying for your sin. Jesus paid for your sin, that's great, but now you have to follow the dietary laws. Now you have to follow the celebration laws. Leviticus, uh, you need to follow that to the T, even though you're a Greek. And can you see how this could be a bit, a bit of a problem, right? This isn't exactly going to line up with how you thought it would go. So when, when this is going on, you have... Paul then is not in the same location, right? Paul's now moving on to the next area. And in that, 
he's going through talking to more folks, and then he's hearing about these Judaizers, and how's he going to interact with that? How's he going to deal with that? Because remember, he's not with them. He's not on site. So the key principle this morning is that the perverted gospel is insufficient. When I say perverted, think distorted, changed, twisted, not as it should be. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we're going to cover this morning, we cover every Sunday, right? The gospel's tweaked so that it's not as much about Jesus. There's something added to it. And that that gospel is, is not sufficient. It is not enough. Because though that gospel adds something to what Christ is. And that's not how it works. So what you have, a little bit of a background. So we know Paul, right? We, we studied who Paul is. Paul's born around the same time as Christ. He studied under Gamaliel. So Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Okay? This is, this is the Jewish dude's Jewish dude. Okay? This dude knew the law. He was all about the law. He was a Jewish guy. He followed the law. So can you see how it's kind of important to him too? It's kind of a big deal. So he's going in and having to deal with this. And these are the churches in Galatia. Galatia's not an exact city. Galatia's kind of a region. And what the region is, it's around modern day Turkey today. So when he's writing this letter, it's to the churches around this area. So this would have been read to multiple bodies. If you need a cross-reference, this is around Acts 13 and 14. Can you see that it's a pretty plausible argument that Jesus paying for your sins isn't enough for salvation? We're not going to skip over that part. Logically, it doesn't seem like it's right. It seems way too simple, right? I, I understand that Jesus paying for my sins is sufficient for my salvation. We, we all agree with that. What I'm asking you to think through is, can you see how someone coming in after Paul, persuading and tickling the ears of saying, no, 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 that's too simple. Paul was just dumbing it down. There's more to it. You can't be saved just by Jesus dying on a cross for your sins. You've got to do stuff. Can you see how that's a logical argument? You see how our brain, you're already thinking through it. I can see it on your faces. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. That's the problem. And that's the problem that Paul was dealing with. So, but before we jump into this, we need to cover what the gospel is, okay? The gospel is that God created the world and he's designed it a certain way. Man chooses his own path apart from God and that resulted in sin and death. Think garden, think Genesis. God paid for the sin of the world through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. He offers salvation by grace through faith in His Son. We've all heard this. God's love means you must make a choice. Do you surrender your life to God? Do you acknowledge that Jesus is who He says He is and that He paid for your sin? Do you acknowledge that? Do you believe it? Do you follow Christ? Because there's a really tough line here, guys. You can jump into the, I have to go to church every Sunday very easily. We want you to come to the church building. We love you guys. We love interacting with you guys. But sitting in that chair does not save you. 
Pulling into the parking lot and put money in a plate does not save you. Jesus paying for all of your sins saved you. Now, attaching yourself to a body and living life together, that's some of the ramifications of salvation. And you see that play itself out in James. We see that, but it's not required for salvation. Jesus saved you. No one else. So, here's, a, here's an illustration I think that will help. Because this, this, is a, this is a really tough idea. Um, there's a pastor named Matt Chandler. And, and Matt Chandler has, has this illustration that, he, that I've heard him use before. I think it fits well. Imagine guys in the room that there's this, this girl. You're in high school, right? And you really want to date this girl. For ladies, obviously, switch it around. Same idea, though. You really want to date this person. You're really interested in this person. And what you do is you start following them. And nowadays, you would, you would follow them on Facebook. Okay? You would start to figure out what they like, what kind of books they read, what kind of music they listen to. You start reading those books. You start listening to that music. You even wear the band's T-shirt that they like. You're doing everything you can to get to know this person. And then you just all of a sudden go, you know what? It's not going to work out. And you walk away before you ever met that person. That's the person in churches today that walks away from Christ. We as a body have gone through this. I'm sure many of you have in the past where you see a person and they, they fall away and you're like, I don't understand if you met Jesus, if you know who Jesus is, why would, you, why would you do what you're doing? Why would you walk away? Because they did the studies, they prayed the prayer, but they never met Christ. They never actually had a relationship. They never connected with God. He saved them, but it never became real for them. But they did all the stuff. Are they saved? They don't know if they haven't given their life over to Christ or not. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. They did all the nothings. And all that stuff's valuable. I'm not, I'm not, trust me, we're not belittling it. But that's not the point of it. The point of it is who Jesus is. And they missed it completely. So now we, we've covered what the gospel is. What are some ways that the gospel's perverted today? We're going to interact a lot this morning. You guys are going to talk. What are some ways the gospel is tweaked and distorted today? God loves everybody. Okay. He does, he does love the world, right? Okay. Anything else? You ever heard the term prosperity gospel? It's kind of become a buzzword now. Anybody know what I mean by when I say the prosperity gospel? Okay, you may have heard it said God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You know, it's God's will that everything's going to be great for you all the time. You give your life over to Jesus, and as Pastor Randy says, your blues become bluer. I love that line. It's so good. Here's a quote from a, a well-known pastor. It says, it's God's will for you to live in prosperity instead of poverty. It's God's will for you to pay your bills and not be in debt. It's God's will for you to live in health and not in sickness all the days of your life. Where do you promise that? What God promises is that he'll take care of your needs because he's God. 
He did not promise that everything will go great. What he promised is that he gave up his life for you and you have salvation. And there's encouragement in that. The greatest encouragement ever in the history of everything in that. And he promises, follow me and I'll take care of you. What he doesn't say is everything's going to be hunky-dory all the time. What's another way the gospel's perverted? You ever heard the gospel of works? You ever hear that term? What does that mean? You have to, yeah, you got to do stuff, right? I got to, I got to, I got to dig a ditch for Jesus. Yeah, you know, like, like we laugh. Like, seriously, I said dig a ditch for Jesus. You just saw your faces. It was like, <laughs> but we do too. Just because you're not digging a ditch, we feel like we, we got to be in the building. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's works. It's I have to do stuff so that Jesus will therefore love me. And that's not what his word says. What his word says is that he loves you, he paid for your sins, and that we surrender our life over to him. He pays, he bought us back. We are no longer dead, we are now alive, and we may now walk as a living being with him. That's what he says. Before we jump into the passage, we're going to read all of Galatians chapter 1. I want to jump, flip over to chapter 6 for me. Chapter 6, verse 11, reads this. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. This is Paul, and you know what he's saying? You ever, you ever I know now we don't write stuff, right? We use tablets, but, or computers. But you ever, you ever wrote so much stuff that your hand starts to ache? And then all of a sudden your penmanship that you worked on your entire life just kind of goes out the window, and it looks pretty busted? Paul is writing this letter to the Galatian churches, and he's so upset, and he's been writing so continuously that his font is off. The, 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 the manuscript itself no longer looks as it should because he's just like, I just can't believe that they're doing this. Why would you walk away from Jesus? Well, you do, you're, you're missing the point. That's the heart of the man writing this letter this morning. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand. You, I presented Christ to you. I, I presented the gospel. And you're allowing these Judaizers to come in and add to it. And you think they're telling you the truth. You think that that's real. That's the heart of the man writing this letter. What do you say we jump into the passage? Cool with that? All right, let's do it. Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you, let him be accursed. 
As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard from my former life of Judaism and how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism well beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him along among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. We're going to talk about the gospel this morning. We're going to cover six principles of the sufficient gospel. When I say sufficient, you, you think what? Michonne? What was the word you, you, you shouted out? Enough. The, the, the gospel that is enough. That's what we're talking about this morning. The first principle, I, I call it the Spielberg principle. You see this in, in verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. You guys know who Steven Spielberg is? You, yeah, you've heard of him before, right? Uh, what's he do? What's that? Makes movies, right? What's that? A writer? Yeah, he, he writes, he produces. He's probably best, uh, most well-known as a director, okay? He's directed a lot of movies, a lot of really popular movies. He's won Oscars, okay? He's a very popular guy. The, the, the principle behind the, the, Spiel, the idea behind the Spielberg principle is that the gospel message is directed by God. He calls the shots. We're not called by men, but God. That's how Paul begins this letter, because remember the context, because it's so very important in this passage. Paul is writing to a group of believers that he lived with. He lived with these folks. He, they knew each other personally. He's no longer on location, and they're now accepting a gospel that says, it's not just Jesus, you have to follow the law as well. But did they have to follow the law? Why? Why didn't they have to follow the law? Because they're Gentiles. Now again, this is very tricky. We want to be very careful. The law is important, and we can learn a lot about God through what the law is. But the laws that were set down before 
in earlier scriptures were for the Jewish people. God did that to show the world who he is in their lives to set them apart from the entire world. The Gentiles are different. They're not Jewish. So the gospel is being tweaked and distorted. And Paul begins this letter by saying, hey, 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 I was directed by God to go to you. This isn't just made up. This isn't just another thing. God sent me to talk to you. Think for a moment that you're in a body in the region of Galatia. Paul comes into town, and by all accounts, Paul was a pretty direct dude. Paul wasn't going to walk in and just, you know, hey, I'm Paul, how you guys doing? Okay, he seemed like a pretty direct guy. Like, attention would be drawn to Paul. He would speak God's truth, he would explain to them who Jesus is, and you would know him. He's kind of brash at times. Now picture Paul's not there. And these people are coming in, and they're taking shots at him. They're saying, where was his paperwork? What church sent him? Who, who's vouching for Paul? Who, who, who sent Paul to you? Because we're coming from Jerusalem, right? We're coming from, from, from God's holy city. And you know what? We know all this stuff about the law, and you're just some ignorant Gentiles. You have no idea. Paul gave you a little bit of it just because he wanted converts. He didn't give you the whole story. Can you see how the argument would make sense to them? That they're not just ignorant. They, it, it, would, it would make sense. I can see the thought process here. But they're missing the point of Christ. Paul is stating in the very beginning of the letter, the authority by which I came to you was God. I was directed by the God of the universe. I was sent to you. I didn't come to you by man. I came to you by who Christ is. So just kind of a cool idea, right? So the, the director. You guys ever know, you guys know anything about casting? When I say casting, does that make sense to anybody in terms of movies? So check this out. This is what they'll do, right? So the director, maybe a producer, the, the writer, you know, basically the people who are responsible for the TV show, for the movie, or whatever it is they're, they're making, will sit at a table, and then they'll call these actors in. And these actors will walk in, and they'll read their lines, and they'll, they'll, they'll put forth what they think the role is, and then the director picks... And, and the casting people, of course, it's not just the director, but they pick who's going to best tell the story. God picked you. God is telling his entire story for the entire world, and grace, he picked you. He paid for your sin. He has a role for you that you play, and he's directing you in that. He said, this is the role for Miss Deb. That's what he said. How incredible is that? Don't skip over it. And Paul, playing his role, was in a lot of pain, guys. Because the people he loved, that he lived life with, were falling away. And that's the heart of who's writing this. It's not the only principle. The next one is the sacrificial principle. You see this in verses 3 through 5. 
The gospel is a story of sacrifice of a perfect God for a broken people. The purpose of that sacrifice is shown in the salvation of his creation. Verse 3 through 5 read, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he transitions from God sent me to God sent me to tell you about his son and what his son did. Paul was responding to this. He needed to frame the argument around what the argument was about. The argument was about Christ's job, Christ's role, what Christ did in God's story, not being sufficient, not being enough. That was the problem. And Paul needed to frame it and and show them that he gave himself up for our sin to deliver us from this age. He did it for that reason. And he did it for the will of God. Remember the same God that sent me to you in the first place? The glory goes to him. It's not about what you think you're doing. It's about who he is. I just want to throw out an idea. You cannot expect to reach your community if you're not excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? If you're not excited about the fact that the God of the universe brought you from death to life, how on earth are you going to reach your community? How are you going to do it? If you're not excited about the fact that Jesus paid for your sin and now you know him, why do we as Christians sometimes walk around like it's the worst thing in the world to, to be here? You know what I'm saying? Like, can we just be real for a minute as a group here? Let's just, like, seriously, we could, I'm not saying directly you guys, I'm saying we all do this. No matter what happens today, I get to live a life with Christ forever. I mean, come on, smile about that, right? That's an exciting thing. How on earth would anyone care what you say if you can't smile? Come on. He paid for our sin. He sacrificed himself for us. But when I think about me, 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 it's a lot easier to frown. It's a lot easier to miss the point. And that leads us into our next principle. This is in verses 6 through 9. This is the perversion principle. Paul says right here, so notice it changes. If, 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 in your Bible there, there's probably a break. Okay? So you have this intro that Paul has where he says who sent him, and then he says what Jesus did, and then he jumps right into, okay, seriously, we need to figure this out. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in grace, the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel of heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And then he repeats it. Let me reiterate what he's saying here. He's saying, I don't get how you're missing this. I'm astonished. I'm dumbfounded. It's insane to me that you are walking away from this gospel. And then he says, there's not even another gospel. There's no other good news, guys. The good news is Jesus, right? And then what he goes on to say is, if anyone preaches to you a gospel other than what I did, 
when we lived with you, anyone, they're accursed. They're appointed for destruction, is what he says there. Literally, you got your marching orders, you're dead. That's what he's, that's what he's calling them to. You're appointed for destruction. It's this idea of the perverted gospel. The gospel message is true and cannot be altered. If one tries to alter it, it leads to death and destruction. Notice that Paul says in the beginning that you're deserting him. Did you see that? I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. Not that you're walking away from our philosophical idea of religion, but that you are actually walking away from Jesus Christ. When it's painted in that kind of frame, I think it hits for us a lot harder. Are you walking away from Jesus Christ? The spotless lamb, the one who walked with us, the one who healed so many people, who loved Every, all these folks, are you, are you really walking away from that guy? Is that really what you're doing? Can, can you see the, just the frustration from Paul? A couple of quick side notes here. I'm going to read a passage that was written down by someone named Joseph Smith. He's the founder of Mormonism. It says on September 21st, 1823... After retiring to bed, while I was thus in the act of calling upon God, I discovered a light appearing in my room, which continued to increase until the room was lighter than at noonday, when immediately a personage appeared at my bedside, standing in the air, for his feet did not touch the floor. His whole person was glorious beyond description, and his countenance truly like lightning. The room was exceedingly light." but not so very bright as immediately around this person. He called me by name, and he said unto me that he was a messenger sent from the presence of God to me, and that his name was Moroni, that God had a work for me to do. Listen carefully to this. He said there was a book deposited within, or written upon golden plates, giving an account of the former inhabitants of this continent and the source from whence they sprang. He also said that the fullness of the everlasting gospel was contained in it, as delivered by the Savior to the ancient inhabitants. Why is that a problem? Because that's a different gospel than what we just read in Galatians 1. What did Paul say? accursed. If anyone presents a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, what I'm presenting right here, because I got it from God, he's to be accursed. It doesn't stop there. Muhammad was the prophet for Islam. At age 40, he received a vision from the angel Gabriel. Gabriel told Muhammad to, con- to correct all that the Christians got wrong about God, specifically the Trinity. And that was the beginning of Islam. This is all post 
Galatians. God's word was clear. He said, if an angel appears to you and preaches to you a different gospel, he is to be accursed. The problem is, is these two individuals didn't believe what God had said previously. And you see what's happened because of it. Because they've accepted a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. A few years ago, we went to a, a, a community center at the University of Kentucky when we were at Momentum, the youth conference that uh, Sebring sends our youth to. Dr. Bagby, he's the professor of Islamic studies at the University of Kentucky. He took us, a Muslim man. Here's a direct quote from him. I would never consider myself saved because I have to wake up tomorrow morning. Salvation is not a key concept in Islam. Islam and Christianity are almost identical except the person of Jesus Christ. I don't share that quote to bash him. That's a lost person. My heart breaks for him. We spent an entire afternoon with him. But do you see the tweaking of the gospel there? In his words, Islam and Christianity are so similar except for who Jesus is. Everything is about Jesus and who he is. It's completely different. It's perverting of the gospel. It's distorting it and changing it. And it leads to death because the only way that we are justified before God is by Christ and Christ alone. That's what his word says. It's only Christ. That's it. There are no other options. There are no do-overs. There are no take-backs. Do you believe who Jesus says that he was? Do you believe that that's what he did? Have you accepted that? Have you, he gave us a gift. It was free. It's, it's just, it's heartbreaking. The next one you'll find is in verse 10. I, I called this the watered down principle. It says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please a man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Jesus. What Paul's saying there is that they're the ones who are saying I'm watering down the gospel. No, that is the gospel. I'm not looking for the applause of men. I'm going as directed by the God of the universe. Many of you guys know, I think everybody knows, uh, what I do, um, you know, my, my uh, day job, I guess you call it. There's a little, this is a little bit of inside baseball, but I, I think the illustration will make sense. I sell cell phones, right? So you guys know, you see the commercials, there are these prepaid cell phone companies, right? And what these companies will do is they'll put the name of the company I work for on a lot of their boxes on the front because they, they, what they call roam off of our network. So they don't have their own towers, they just pay the company I work for to then get signal off of their towers. But it's a limited network. They don't get access to every tower, and if there are a, a bunch of per, people that, work, that, that are on my company are on the tower, they get kicked off first. The network that they're paying for is a watered down version of what they could have. That's the point. The point is they're, they're, they're taking what could be something that's like this and they're watering it down and they're changing it. 
So what are some ways that the gospel is watered down today? Anybody? God's God, if he's the king of the universe, that kind of means that, you know, he knows what's going on. I should probably follow him, right? But I, ju- I just, I just want to be happy. I don't want a king. I, I, I want a Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt. You know, I just want to hang out. I, I, want, I, want Jesus, I want Jesus to be my friend. I don't want him to be my king. So what I do is I take what he's, what he's called me to. He's called me to surrender my life to him and to walk with him. And what I do then is I, I say, well, yeah, he, what he means is surrender my life here, but over here, no. No, we don't want that. That's not important. And, and it's tough. And it's all embedded within the gospel. If you're presenting the gospel, or are you presenting the, the true gospel to people? Hopefully you're presenting the gospel to people. But if you are, hopefully you're not watering it down. Because that's meaningless. That's, that's, not, that's not salvation. That's an opinion poll. A couple more. The next one I call the Jobs Principle for Steve Jobs. You see this in verses 11 through 17. It said, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Jobs principle is that the gospel message is not an invention of man. It's a revelation of God. When I hear Steve Jobs' name, I, I think inventor. I think someone who came up with ideas, right? I think Thomas Edison, you know, invent, like The gospel of Jesus Christ was not invented by a man. It was, it did, no one came up with it. It's not how it works. You know how I know that's true? About three years ago, we did a, a series with the youth down in Sebring. Um, it was a world religions class. And we spent about a month going through uh, many of the major religions of, of the world. Uh, we studied them you know, pretty in-depth, actually. It was, it was really eye-opening because they were beginning the process of, of actually living out their walk with Christ in school and talking to people about who Jesus was. And then, you know, a Mormon would, would talk to them, and they had no idea what a Mormon believed. They had no idea what a Seventh-day Adventist person believed. They had no idea what a Hindu believed. They just know the person said this, so it kind of shut down the conversation. So they didn't know what to do. So we as a team, we put that together. And you know what we found? Is every single one of them, at some stage, we were responsible for our salvation. There was, there was some point in which we controlled it. Do you see it? The man-made gospel earns it. The man-made gospel says, I'm the one who does the thing that gets me saved. It's not how it works. The 
only gospel message that I am aware of, and I would, I would, I would stand on this, that does not say you're responsible for your salvation is Jesus. He says, I'm responsible for it. I paid it. You can't. Not you won't. You can't. We don't have the ability, the authority, or the know-how. By grace. If you add works to it, it's no longer grace. Grace is undeserved favor. Works cannot be a part of it. Whenever man creates a religion for himself, he wants to be in control. Jesus says, no, I'm in control. I'm the one that's responsible. I'm God. The enemy's lies have moved the gospel to the margins over and over and over again by adding stuff to it. So let me just ask you a direct question. Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe that what you believe is really real? Do you believe it? Right? I mean, we've got to check ourselves at times. Like, do, do we really believe that? Because if it came from God, that changes everything. Last principle. I call this the power principle, verse 18 through 24. What you have here is Paul recapping his salvation experience. How he went on the road to Damascus. How he was the one who would go and he was actually killing Christians. He was fighting zealously against what they called the way. And the gospel message has the power to change a dead person to life. Did you, did you come on, just think for a second with me. Literally dead. Think zombie. Spiritually dead. I'm walking around. I have blood pumping through my veins right now. But if I didn't know who Jesus was, spiritually, I'm dead, his word says. And when Jesus paid for my sin, I'm walking with Christ. I am now literally alive spiritually. That's what he did. He changed us from death to life. And Paul is going back to that and saying, this gospel that you're questioning changed my life. It changed everything about me. I was willing to kill you because I thought I was right. And now my life is completely different. I'm zealous, but I'm zealous for Christ now. The strongest argument, hear this, for the gospel of Jesus Christ is a changed life. The strongest argument is to change life. How are you at giving your testimony to folks? I'm not talking about are you talented in talking to people. What I'm saying is are you doing it? Because again, why would anybody care? Is your life changed? Did he bring you from death to life and what did that look like? And when's the last time you gave your testimony? When's the last time you were talking to an unbeliever and you told them what Jesus Christ did in your life? we got to check ourselves on that. Because it's real easy to just... I love telling the story of what Jesus did in my life to people that I can trust. To people that are comfortable. But when's the last time you shared your testimony to someone who needed to hear it? It's powerful. And it changes everything. So finally, why do you care? Okay, we've walked through the gospel. We've walked through what Paul was doing. We've set the stage for the rest of our series here in Galatians. Here's some key takeaways. The God of the universe has called and directed you in the proclaiming of his gospel to your community. He has called you to your community 
to reach them with the gospel. That's what he's called you for. What community are you in? Have you identified that? Have you prayed through that? Have you said, God, where have you placed me and and who am I supposed to be spending time with? Who am I supposed to be interacting with? What community am I in currently where you have called me to reach them with your gospel? Because they're dead. Second is that the perverting of the gospel leads to destruction. Knowing that should light a fire under us. Knowing that so many people believe a false gospel should change the way we live our lives. If we really believe that they're dead, how are we acting? Do we really believe that? Finally, don't miss this. He saved your life, but it don't stop with you. Don't stop with us. He didn't save you and go, all right, done. Tapping out. All right, story's over. I did it. I, I love you guys, and I, I hope you like me too, but we're not that important. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't save us and then go, all right, I'm done. No, he, he, he granted us salvation. He paid for the sin of the entire world, and now he's using us to proclaim his truth through our community. It's amazing. This is so encouraging. This is so exciting. That's who God is. The gospel message is not Jesus plus anything. It's simply Christ. If being good was enough, Jesus didn't need to die. If religion was enough, then his sacrifice was needless. And God doesn't do things that are needless. You will gain Christ by giving God the remainder of your life for his glory and his purposes. If you add to the gospel, you'll be stuck in religion, not in salvation. He's enough. It's about time we started acting like it. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org.